and welcome back everyone to another edition of Going for Two, presented by Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I am joined here by my friend and colleague, Brian Fisher. Uh, it's great to be back and uh, great to be here podcasting with you in, in my uh, my actual chair instead of uh, a suburban Atlanta hotel room. I was going to say it uh, looks 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 a lot better in terms of the background there, but uh, happy to have you back. I'm, I'm sure it was a very productive conference and uh, you, you more than anything, it sounds like you learned a lot from it. More, I think that was the, the bottom line that I took away from from our conversations. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll quickly talk about this and then we can kind of put it to bed. I've addressed it in a few other uh, episodes and, and newsletters and everything. This was a really informative educational conference. You know, part of it is just like, you know, selfishly, this is a chance to see what my life would have been like had I gone to graduate school. I'm like, all right, these are <laughs> these are who my friends would have been. And these are, this would have been what our workplace drama would have been. And, you know, and, and, and here's how we're digging into everything. And it's kind of funny as a reporter who's been like really in the weeds in this world, I can go into one of these you know, paper presentations that we're talking about NIL or conference realignment or some Byzantine thing with administration and realize, I think I actually know a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of that world you know, than, than this thing. Maybe, oh, maybe I could have been a professor. But events like, and here's the research method slide and here's like the theoretical framework and here's the R values. I'm like, ah, shit, no, I couldn't. Um, because, you know, I don't know, I, I haven't taken a statistics class since 2009 and I think I got a C plus in it because I was making jokes about P values instead of actually like learning how all the, the numbers actually worked. Um, so, you know, asking very smart people to explain things to a dumb person was uh, was really useful. And I mean, there was a bunch of stuff there that I didn't know, particularly about esports. I think if I was a graduate student now, that would be, and, and trying to figure out what, you know, where I should be going in, in sports management, if I wanted to kind of find like blue ocean data sets and stuff where there wasn't a ton of literature that had been done for decades, I would encourage people to go to go there. I, I, I think I so I went to hear five different papers presented, and I'm hoping, you know, the, the way that this, this whole system works, right, is like the papers are presented one after another super quickly. So there wasn't really a ton of time for me to kind of go up there and interview everybody right afterwards. And then there's a whole mass of people in the hallway because it's not built for reporters. But, you know, I've I reached out to a bunch of folks. I'm, you know, send me your paper next week. Let's, let's talk later. I'm going to try to do some follow-ups about some of those uh, esports papers later on, but about facility construction, about... Um, sponsorships about what happens when you add scholarships to university budgets and everything real i mean really interesting stuff for me as somebody who is is still very interested in video games you know that, that's been a through line hobby for me for 25 years but still is new to this world like I'm, I'm i'm not a capital g gamer i am a get destroyed by middle schoolers when i play fifa once a week kind of gamer you know and i think that's probably all i'm ever going to be i I filed a bunch of FOIAs about esports budgets, and it's one of those things where I, I feel like I keep telling myself, I'm going to really do a bunch more newsletters on this, but I have a gigantic list of those things. And then, as you know, stuff just keeps happening. But this is this is a space I want to learn more about, and this conference, I think, helped there. I think it's a fascinating space in just in general that a lot of people in the sports industry are interested in, right? Yeah. You know, like, especially, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, there, there was a lot of talk about uh, paying six figures for franchise fees for a lot of the, the esports franchises. Like uh, you had NFL owners investing in it. And like, I, I do think it, it, it is a unique uh, space for colleges. I mean, we start, started to already see a lot of uh, people kind of ramp up their programs. A lot of it, you know, really designed to kind of boost enrollment. That's something that we've talked on this show uh, quite a bit, but uh, you're right from a casual 
fan's perspective, I think the, the growth of the video game industry, um, you know, there, there's probably not a, a great just like go to resource. I think you kind of consume it in bits and pieces, but uh, you, you kind of you put it out of your back of your mind. But everybody talks about Netflix. Everybody talks about these media rights. There's this massive other industry out there that nobody really talks about and it. And it Particularly so with EA Sports coming out with that new NCAA video game uh, right down the road, um, I think it's going to kind of get back into the forefront for for a lot of folks in the college athletics industry. Yeah, I I am very interested to see what happens with competitive esports and the college football game. There is a competitive esports scene for Madden. It's not as robust as some of the non-sports games or a sports games world. I, I don't actually know if more people play Madden or play NBA 2K. I would imagine more people play FIFA than, than both of them. Um, and... and Colleges don't typically really control a lot of the actual tournaments because those are publisher-held. So I don't know exactly what EA wants to do with this specific world. It could certainly be a way to to make both college football generally and this game and esports gaming become more accessible to, to new people. You, you're, you're really right about, I think, the, the first thing that you noted. Like a lot of other people are interested in, in, in this space. And one of the, the things I've kind of found just from high-level conversations with folks here is – you do have a lot of the money that's gone into American esports, as I understand it, is coming from like institutional sports investors, right? The kinds of people that own other sports teams because they feel like they know the sports business, they know event management, they buy into these leagues. Um, many of these people haven't like held a video game controller since like Space Invaders in arcades back in the late 70s. They, they really don't know the product very well. And what some of them have learned is that while there are many similarities between esports and, say, professional basketball you're not going after exactly the same demographic the and the the, the finances uh, and, and your and your revenue model are, are all different right like so there has there have been dudes that have invested money in this and then realized maybe i don't know his business as well as i thought you have another group of people that jump i think are the kind of people that rush in anytime there's a brand new industry whether that's crypto whether that's name image and likeness consulting whether that's some kind of other resource extraction who are hustlers, right? And and um, maybe don't understand things terribly well or maybe don't have the necessarily the best intentions but have, have kind of flopped in because they saw there was a bubble. And then you have the practitioners. And some of those practitioners um, are not used to the world outside of the more provincial esports world. And 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 there are, there are, there are challenges and there are opportunities, I, I think, with bringing that in. All of this then to loop into college where not very many of the of like the administrators who are running these programs, both at big schools like where you and I went to small schools like places where we definitely didn't. They are often run by people that are not very familiar with computer games or video games. Right. And and, and some of that is because like, like we've both talked about a lot. It's about enrollment. By God, I got to get another hundred men on this campus by hook or by crook. And this is cheaper than football. Um, sometimes it's led by DEI, because if you want to boost Asian male enrollment, um, or, or or international student enrollment, this can be a particularly effective tool. I don't know if a lot of them have completely wrapped their arms around trying to use these as profit generating or at least high, high revenue generating tools or how to better equip their athletes to uh, earn lots of money in sponsorships. Um, it, it tends to be like, as I understand it right now, is you've been doing that when you came into the program, that's wonderful, but we're not. this isn't necessarily a place that can launch you from A to B. We'll see if that, if that, if that continues. And, and, you know, my... My recommendation would be if a school is considering doing this or considering investing in it or making it a bigger priority, that they talk to their sports management department. And, and in fact, I, I, just to kind of sum up my major takeaway from the newsletter on Monday, if you, if you hadn't missed this, the single biggest thing that I, I really took away from this experience is 
by and large, athletic departments and sports management departments don't do a good job of talking to each other. The people that are researching ticketing data and researching sports marketing and researching DEI and student retention and NIL and, and actually trying to apply academic rigor are not talking to the people that are actually running all of those industries. And the people who are in those industries are not always doing a good job of going down the street and campus and asking. And part of that is because of, I think, philosophical turf protections. Some of that is human nature. And some of that is the academics aren't really incentivized to do it because here's the wild thing. And one of our, I had a reader who's a professor actually uh, to tell me this, that he wrote like a guest post on Extra Points. And that was read by thousands more people that have ever read anything he's written in one of the journals, which are paywalls and only picked up by a couple of other grad students and read by way more people in industry. And this is not this is a kind of big newsletter. It's not the biggest newsletter, even in this particular niche. Right. It is. You know, it's in the middle. Um, but orders of magnitude more read than the the bi-quarterly you know, journal of sports law, bird law, boats, uh, whatever. But his, you know, this tenure board doesn't care about that. The tenure board just cares about these other, you know, six paywall things. I don't know how to fix that, but it does seem to create a system where the people who have knowledge and the people who need the knowledge are not in sync. And that's less than I You're going deep on the, uh, the road to a higher ed problems, because this is not, uh, not just specific to this, this industry. And I, I think that's important to keep in mind. These, these silos you speak of on campus, I mean, they, they are deep and they're entrenched and, uh, they, they get further entrenched probably by the year in, in some cases where, um, you know, truthfully, there's, there's not a whole lot, uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, really a need to kind of have that cross departmental uh, conversation just because of the, you know, everybody's so busy with focused on, on what they have to do kind of in front of them. And athletics is an entirely different beast from the normal kind of nine to five that you're going to get uh, in terms of your, your typical professors and deans and whatnot yeah. who are kind of swimming in, in a whole different pool. Maybe, maybe in terms of kind of those major gifts in, in higher ed, there might be a little bit more conversation. So there's some coordination when you're kind of going after the same donors, but at, you know, by and large, I mean, these are, uh, everybody's kind of busy with, with their kind of own neck of the woods. And uh, never is that more clear when you're actually on campus talking with people uh, surrounding college athletics, because uh, you know, outside of game days and worrying about parking and that sort of thing, uh, you know, there, there is not that, uh, that crossover that you typically expect, but you're right. Uh, right you're right about esports. I mean, I, I think it is, it's going to be fascinating to see over the next really couple of years, maybe even the decade, decade and a half, how much of uh, kind of a cottage industry in terms of colleges is, is going to spread up with, you know, we, we've talked, I, I don't anticipate the NCAA stepping in or anything like that, but surely there's going to be some sort of uh, consortium or, or something that kind of can make the, this uh, a little bit more collaborative uh, amongst colleges and universities, whether it's specific games like NCAA football, whether it's Overwatch, whether it's something like that, like you almost anticipate something popping up, um, you know, and, and really helping facilitate uh, a lot of these programs uh, playing each other, making sure that it is a, a bit of a collegiate endeavor and not just uh, these professional teams. And I, I think that that's going to be fascinating to kind of track over the next couple of years. Yeah, the, the 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 biggest thing that is one of the biggest things that's very different about this world in college and and like football or baseball, right? Is even the college esports entities don't control the game. It's the game publisher that does. Like the college colleges that get together and play Overwatch can't get together and say like, okay, like this is the Overwatch bill that we're going to use and these are the rules and this is when we're going to do it. No, that's the publisher of Overwatch that gets to make that decision. Whereas like college football is run and controlled by colleges. Colleges invented football. Um, 
in, 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 you know, and they did that for most of the other sports. Different, different world. Um, one that I hope to learn more. So I don't know if you, you know if you know about this stuff. My email is matt at extrapointsmb.com. Um, I would happy to be happy to talk. Uh, there's something else I want to talk to you about that's way more accessible, <laughs> I, I think, than maybe some academic research. But before we do, before we get off track, let me just very quickly highlight our dear friends at Homefield Apparel because those bastards have done it again. That Arizona drop is is really good. It's really good. There's a there's a there's a wildcat that is 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 riding go cats in a lasso uh, above his head, and he looks like the kind of guy that's going to try to sell you a monorail um, or maybe mineral rights to some kind of copper mine or something. And I have never been to Tucson, and I really want to buy that shirt. Oh well, you, you got to get out to Tucson, and it's it's, uh, it's a very interesting place. But uh, you're right; they they hit the, the the Arizona collection out of the park. I mean, they've followed up a, a pretty good ASU collection. Like, I, I'm I'm interested to see if there's there's going to be any any bit of rivalry going on between the two home field brands dropping back to back weeks, and then we get Clemson coming up. So they, like they're they're just reeling them off right now. So it's it's uh, pretty impressive. But uh, you're right that that Arizona collection yeah. that was uh, truly top notch, especially the the, the logo stuff that was that might be finding a home in my closet sometime soon i know there's you just can't go wrong with with animals doing stuff and it's and that's a color scheme that is very flexible i i mean probably not going to win a whole lot of friends at home field for saying this but like i'm probably not going to buy anything clemson and in in part because like orange and purple if you don't have an affiliation with that school it can be kind of tough right I mean, we'll see what that kind of dug out from the 1930s. And, and you know, the, the, the fun thing about the old vintage mascots is that many of them look like they are drunk or coked out or uh, unusually expressive, um, which is funny, right? The problem with Clemson's mascot, which is the Internet has already kind of colloquially named Eight Ball the Tiger, is that like that's his default setting. So I don't know if we have to go back from the 30s and suddenly he looks very distinguished and well put together or, you know, it, it's actually like a more modern mascot. Maybe that becomes funny. But the novelty with Clemson doesn't exist because that's the dude's default setting. You know, he, he looks like it looks like somebody took a Hobbs doll from Calvin and Hobbs and just like made it six feet tall and like taught it gymnastics. It's the, the same kind of production value. Um, but you, I don't know if, that, if you're into that you, Clemson, uh, you can find that at home field apparel. If you're into Arizona, if you're into a bunch of other stuff, they probably got that too. They have most power five and most big mid-major brands on home field apparel, finding stuff from the 1970s, eighties, forties, twenties, all the, the weirdo logos that you've forgotten about. I'm wearing a home field shirt right now as I, as I typically am when I'm not at a serious professional function, I'm wearing the Boise state. Um, Bronco, we have another blue shirt here. We have the beautiful fighting green wave, which, uh, is, is an important institution throughout college sports internet. Uh, if you haven't bought any home field stuff yet, one, you're a weirdo Two, uh, it's okay. Cause we're a pro weirdo podcast. You can go save 15% off your first order by uh, using promo code extra points at checkout. Um, I would highly encourage you to do that to help support our sponsors and thus also support this show. Um, also if you're an AD or somebody that controls a bunch of intellectual property, my email is matt at extrapointsmb.com. I'm happy to put you in touch with our friends at Homefield so we can get your stuff on there as well. Um, in non shilling for brands news and a non academic high drama news and non NIL news, non conference realignment news, non college sports in crisis existential terror news 
Brian, I think you have something you wanted to talk about here today, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, College Football Hall of Fame just released their 2023 ballot on Monday. And I, I'm excited because this, this is the good part of the job where we actually kind of go back and can look at some some past careers, but uh, some pretty big names. I, I believe you've heard of this this Tebow fellow. I, he, he, maybe you're familiar with his work, perhaps? Tebow? Is it like, is it silent or something? No, th- these are always excellent exercises in guy remembering. Tim Tebow being the we don't really have to remember that guy because we haven't forgotten about him um have you ever been to the college football Hall i have fame? not uh, it is it is as many times as i've been through atlanta and like literally like walked past it but uh have, have not actually gone in you know it, it's funny because sec media days is, is going to be there this year so uh, there's there's that opportunity as well down the road but uh, yeah it's for as long as it's been around between the pandemic and and everything kind of shuttering it a little bit uh, that that has not uh, certainly helped my ability to visit it top of the, the long term i used to yeah, I walked by it all the time when I lived in South Bend because that's where it yep. used to be, like next to like the Studebaker Museum and then like a bunch of empty office buildings like near downtown. They moved it down there. I mean, we're going to – well, I think we'll be around for the NIL yep. Summit later, and I, that, that that will be there. I'm excited to actually go. I've, I've looked at some of the digital collections and everything, but I haven't haven't had a chance to dig in. Um, th- there are the, – in this year's Hall of Fame class, and you would know more about the actual selection criteria, I think, than I would. We have a, a, a bunch of players, not just Power 5 players, but players throughout all of the uh, multiple levels of college football, and then uh, coaches. And I, I, maybe we can start with the coaches because I, I, I have to be honest, looking through this list, there weren't a whole lot of people that I would consider to be in like the rarefied elite of this sport where some of them were just very, very good. Um, but maybe I'm being I'm being too 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 cynical or, or, or too or too picky or something. Right? There's, there's several names on here that, that I think people would remember. Mark Richt is on this list. Would you consider Mark Richt to be a historically elite college football coach from from Georgia and Miami? I mean, he, he did this for 18 years, won a ton of football games, um, did not really come, only came close to winning a national championship once. It was not really like elite, elite that often. A an A plus human being. Would would you put him in 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 that in that list? Maybe maybe being an A plus human being compared to college football coaches generally should should give him a, a bigger leg up. Yeah, I think that uh, that might be in the on the minds of uh, certainly some some voters out there. But you know, in terms of like uh, if you're saying like is he like the, the first ballot first one of the first names off the tip of your tongue? No. But I, I think he, you know, given what he's done at, at Georgia and, and later Miami, like, um, you know, he, he's been a pretty important part of the college football fabric. So I, c- I can definitely see him getting in. I think it is important to kind of take a step back and remember that there are some selection criteria in terms of winning percentage. That's why How- Howard Schnellenberger is not in there. And uh, yes, uh, incredibly oh, yeah. that he's not in there. But like um, there's That's a reason, my, you know, Larry Coker shows up on, on this list uh, just from dating from his times at uh, Miami and, and later UTSA. But like I, I would definitely even in. In, in this year's class would probably put a few names ahead of him, but I, I think Mark Richt is, is, is certainly well-deserving of, uh, of these honors. He, he's obviously been a big part of, um, you know, Georgia fans. And, and while he didn't quite get over the, the hump in terms of national titles or kind of reaching Georgia's full potential, um, you know, he, he did a lot of groundwork there in terms of uh, keeping the program as one of the more consistent winners, you know, in the SEC, got some conference titles, you know, in, in, in a very tough league, produced some several All-Americans. Like you, you really can't kind of write the history of the SEC in the, kind of the 2000s without Mark Richt and, and those Georgia teams really coming so close to kind of getting over the hump and, and winning that national title. Probably more what he's, he's known for uh, probably outside of, of Athens, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, you can you, Larry Blankney's name is, is on there out of Troy. I, I would kind of put him ahead there, given how he built that program up. Um, yeah, yeah, 
and Frank and Frank Solich. If you want to talk yeah, about he, people top, that, that top builds of the line, up programs, yeah. if, if I had a vote, if I had to pick anybody on this list, no disrespect to Daryl Rogers, I think I think I'd probably go Solich, who not only won a gajillion football games at Nebraska, um, and has now become an almost meme given where the program is after that, but man, Ohio sucked. Like, and I'm saying this as somebody with like a 740 phone number still before he got there, they were good, like for one or two years. And then that was kind of one of one of the real just dog jobs and all of FBS. You're, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's, a, it's you're not that close to where any of the good football players are in Ohio. The campus is more known for basketball, journalism and drinking. Um, and not in that order than, than anything resembling football success. And he made them good every single year for 14 years, 15 yeah. years, like I, in, in, a, in a conference where, where coaches, you know, are changed as, as often as we change our socks. That feels very historically notable to me. Um, but it is kind of hard, you know, to, to grade what someone did at Troy or what someone did at Navy and what someone did at Georgia under an SEC contract. That is kind of a hard apples to apples comparison. I mean, just a terrific job there at Ohio, as, as you mentioned. And, and really, I mean, all those yeah. gigs are so tough, you know, especially dropping down the level and everybody kind of thought, uh, you know, where, where is he going to go from here after, after getting fired from Nebraska? And uh, I mean, just uh, doing a, a great job in terms of elevating that program into a consistent winner, which is hard to do in the back. I mean, outside of NIU, there's really yeah. nobody that kind of has, has reached those levels. On, on a consistent consistent basis, like like he has, and, and you know the bottom line is, you know he, he's the winningest coach in MAC history. Um, you know all the bowls that uh, he was able to get to that program too didn't quite get over the hump in terms of conference titles, which I, I know um, you know is, is a bit of a sore subject there around Athens. But um, you add that with those Nebraska teams that uh, let's say face it, you know made it to the BCS championship game, obviously had some terrific success in the Big Twelve. Um, you know with an, a, a style of offense that uh, certainly was was by no means modern, but uh, he was able to find success. And and uh, produce some some really consistent winning football, and I, I think he's he's certainly going to be t- one of the top of the names for a lot of people, just in terms of name recognition, but but also for the accomplishments. And I think that is what, what's fun about the ballot is you know you're you're only limited in terms of the number of spots that you got, so it's not like you can vote for all these coaches. You know there there's a select number of yeah. spots um, when when you end up getting them and and you, and you get those 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 choices that kind of you're you're like waffling in between. You're like, well, I'll get, I'll get to them next year. Well, then there's kind of the new set of coaches that kind of come onto the ballot that you're kind of push them down and that's why some folks kind of kind of languish uh, a little bit that's why there's some some high some trophy winners some some all-americans that are still sit circle, circulating around this ballot but uh it, it's tough from from the coach to the uh up top to the players i mean there there are a lot of key considerations that you have to have when you go in and actually vote for for a lot of these names yeah let me let me ask you this i, I guess on the on the player side here um when was the first year that you remember as a kid like really remembering college football and having like like vivid uh, uh, attachments or, or memories of somebody actually playing. Like I you know I, I I'm a big college football history guy, right? But I don't. I was born 1987. I don't really remember watching anybody in 1991. Like for me, I think it was the 1996 season that was the first that I really remember. And really, I, there's not that many players prior to 2000 that I have strong like attachments to or or memories of, because I wasn't watching 
100 games a season, right? I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog and and doing, and doing other things. When when was that time yeah, for you? About, I mean, we're we're pretty much the same age, so like pretty much uh, like yeah. like you said uh, that that time period. I mean, maybe you mentioned '96. I mean, that was obviously a you know a unique time period in terms of uh, you, you having the Big 12 kind of coming into formation. You have uh, certainly some uh, consideration in terms of uh, you know some, some new faces uh, around a league and where where I was in in, in Texas, just um, you know. Oh, it's it's not just Texas and, and, and Texas A and M. They're they're playing Missouri and they're playing Kansas State, which you know, I think that that you know that comes in mind. I, I know Michael Bishop's on 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 the bout as well. The the K State quarterback who was just phenomenal, um, you know, and really electric. You know, I mean, we talk about those dual threat quarterbacks, but you kind of go back to, to guys like that. Um, they they just kind of took it off to yeah. another another level. I mean, Antoine Randall Ells on on this this ballot as well. I mean, you talk about. I know everybody knows the the pro career as as the wide receiver, but go back and watch some of those those highlights at IU. I mean, he was just phenomenal. I'm so glad you mentioned both those guys because I think Bishop and Randall in particular, I are, are, are unique to me, not because of what they did in like on sports reference or like counting stats or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were wonderful, but to me as a, to, to someone to have the distinction of being a hall of famer, not only would you need to be successful on the field and, and, and be statistically significant, but I think you'd also want that be associated with some kind of, holy shit moment, right? Where, where you, you so clearly what you're doing is so like a, a standard deviation above what everybody else is. Maybe you become historically significant in how you define the position um, or, you know, that the, 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 there were there were moments where, like as you were watching, they're like, this is a special person. Like the the Indiana football teams, when Antoine Randerell was playing, mostly sucked. Indiana football, by and large, outside of when we were like two, has mostly not been very good, but I distinctly remember watching a lot of those games and thinking there's, there's nine dudes here who are going to be future dentists. And this guy is terrifying and amazing and is eviscerating some really good Michigan and Ohio state and Penn state teams like by himself. I'd never seen anybody like Michael Bishop before. Like there, there weren't a lot of guys like Michael Bishop in 1998 and was, I mean, I, I would vote for both of those players, even if there, I know there are other people on here that are, that are statistically better or maybe, more historically significant, but just in terms of like when watching them, you know, compared to their peers at that time and, and, and what that meant for people, you know, watching them and then would go on to play a decade later, like they were both amazing. Um, it would it would do redefining I think what we thought might have been possible as quarterback. Yeah, and I think from from the quarterback position, I think Reggie Bush obviously garners a lot of attention yeah. at the running back position. I think that was the one that that uh, always caught my eye in terms of just the explosiveness out of cuts. You know, I think you know especially when the you get those triple option guys and and just when when they make that that one initial cut and then they're off. You know, and I think you you can apply that to the running backs. I think Reggie uh, certainly top of mind. You got Kajana Carter on this. Uh, LaMichael James, who maybe a more recent vintage from from those Oregon teams but uh, i mean so fun to watch and i i mean you just go down the, the list and it's like you know kind of reminiscing throughout your, your college football memories and and a whole lot yeah. of also like Rem guy remember yeah. it's one of the it's cheaper than therapy folks like just sit back here and remember some guys and, and, and also a lot of like uh how, how is this guy not actually already in the college football hall of fame, you know, like th th there's so much of that too, even, even getting past the kind of new inductees that are kind of coming onto the ballot, your Tim Tebow's, your, your Eric Weddle's, your Alex Smith's or whatever that had great careers. But, um, you know, I, I just mentioned, you know, uh, 
uh, Reggie Bush, but like there, you go down the names, Kajana Carter, Mark Carrier. Like how is Mark Carrier not already in the Hall of Fame? Like you talk about one of the best defensive backs coming out of USC, uh, a, a program that, that's produced quite a few of them. Um, you know, I, I mean, picked off a ton of passes, obviously tremendous success in the NFL as well. Uh, you know, like there, there's just, just yeah. a bunch of guys on this list that you go back to, really to the eighties. I mean, Tim Couch, you know, I mean, for, for, for years, really for decades before Mark Stoops uh, arrived there in Lexington, Tim Couch was the only like highlight in terms of, uh, you know, Wildcats football play. And, uh, you know, I mean, as uh, a recovering Browns fan, I'm, I'm sure you're also aware of his. No, I, I I do not need a lot of help to remember Tim Couch. But but I mean, what he did in college was was great, right? Air, air raid principles ahead, ahead of his time. Gigantic arm. Um his is an interesting case because like, I feel like I have seen other guys like Tim couch before it's certainly since, right? Like, you know, in, in terms of like, of how he played and how he put up his numbers and, and, and his body type and, and everything. I, I wouldn't say that was necessarily breaking a mold, but was really, really good. And, and, and very important for, for Kentucky history. Like, as I look through here, like Reggie Bush is and Tim Tebow, I think are, are both great examples People like I would consider to be probably first ballot college college football hall of famers, not football football hall of famers, but in terms of redefining the position, like every single time Reggie Bush was playing, that was appointment television. I didn't like USC then, and USC often played games when I was sleeping or doing other things, and you had to watch because he was he could have put up 250 uh, all-purpose yards, and it might have been receiving or kick returning or uh, or running between the tackles. And it was, it was going to, and you know, we didn't re, YouTube was kind of in its infancy or like, or highlight sharing was so like you, you had to see it. Tebow was that way. I feel like Peter yeah. Warwick was that way. That was, that was the one name um, that also caught my eye. I was like, how, how is this guy not already, already in, right? You know, like, and, and he's been on the ballot yeah. for, for a while. So it's like. Definitely broke my heart as a fan in many ways, not just because he like single-handedly like turned Ohio state into dust, I think in a sugar bowl. But then he was one of many Bengals that that where things didn't work out. But man, he was fun to watch at Florida State. Um, I I I don't know if I have super strong. I mean, yeah, like there's there's a, there's a lot of really oh, freaking Julius Pe- oh. Julius Peppers is on here, right? Like that. I mean, the, the and Simeon Rice were both just outstanding co- college football players in 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 many in, in many many ways. I how many people can can go are gonna are gonna get voted in? It's it's not that many. No, they like, they kind of give you a list and they, and they narrow it down. And so like there's there's only a certain number of spots, which is why this this list kind of keeps growing with names you 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 tend to remember. But like uh, it is just wild. I mean like Marshawn Lynch is in there. You mentioned Julius Peppers. I mean you can kind of go back to him. Like talk about the rare just absolute specimen of an athlete who could play major college football and dominate play major college basketball and contribute for one of the best, you know, a uh, uh, historic powerhouse set in North Carolina there. And then he goes into the NFL and has one of the most productive careers. Um, you know, you, you can imagine, like you talk about somebody that uh, obviously deserves to kind of get this consideration, you know, like, and, and it's, it's fun to kind of go down the, the list and see other names. I mean, Chris McIntosh, uh, you know, the Wisconsin offensive line. Now he's the AD there, um, you know, in, in Madison. I mean, he was, oh, yeah. he was so good, you know, in terms of like, uh, you, you see him coming off the edge with, with those big time Wisconsin teams. Teams and uh, Ron Dane coming downhill. I mean, it was just uh, it, it's wild to see. It yeah, killed people. I yeah, just just roll right over them, right? You know, and, and I think that that is the kind of fun part of this list is just seeing the names and then kind of thinking back to those memories. You know, Marshawn driving the cart around. You know, the the gift that you've seen all the time. Yeah. What what I'm gonna do um, if you are not watching this for video, 
Which I mean, which, which which is fine, right? Like I'm ugly. You, if you want to listen to this on your on your, on your podcast device, that that's totally fine. I'm going to add a couple of highlight clips in the show notes when I put this on extra points, so we can all remember some guys together. Um, it's one thing for me to sit there and describe Garrison Hurst or describe Michael James or or, or talk about uh, Ryan Leaf. It's another thing to see Ryan Leaf throw the ball over some mountains. Ryan Leaf took Wazoo yeah. to a Rose Bowl. That happened. People were like, "You." People were like, "This dude's better than Peyton Manning," and that wasn't a crazy thing to say, um, because of how good he was. Let's. We should. If you weren't old enough to remember it, you should go back on the internet and remember. That was, that was the best part of like staying up on on those those late Saturdays. You get the like you know fuzzy Fox Sports uh, broadcast of some Wazoo game and them throwing around the yard like that. That truly does does kind of take you back. I mean, holy nada. I, I can I can picture the font like right now. The one that was like like quasi graffiti. Um, and, and scribbled a little bit. And, yeah. and I guess just cause you're, you're like, you know, you're less kind of invested in the system like you are now there's, there's just less connection because there's, there's no kind of internet uh, around and you're able to kind of like get a grasp of like what Pullman is, but like, you know, Pullman might, have well, might as well have been a different country, you know, and kind of thinking about where it was located and like, and then you end up, you know, every Saturday, you know, just kind of seeing the stands, uh, being filled and, uh, them thrown around the yard. It was, uh, it was definitely a unique, uh, experience watching college football back in the day. And I mean, just again, you go through this, this list and you're just like, you just remember some of those plays, you know, so vividly. I mean, like Kellen, it, it's weird too, because like, you know, Kellen Moore is, is on this list, uh, the, the Boise state quarterback, one of the winningest quarterbacks of all time. It's like, I covered his last game uh, in, in the Las Vegas bowl. You know, it's like, uh, I remember watching his entire career and yeah. like, uh, it does kind of, you know, kind of say that uh, we, we are getting a little bit older that uh, as we age and, and a lot of these guys, uh, you know, you kind of remember some of them as recruits and uh, you kind of go down the line and I'm sure it's even more so for, for people even older than us. Yeah, I, you're, you're, you started your career in sports media much earlier than I did. I kind of messed around and did some other stuff at the beginning. So I don't, I don't think I covered anybody here but I, I definitely remember watching them and that's and that is going to happen soon right i, I mean we, we we're already talking to some of these guys are administrators or, or coaches but it, it, it's we already see people who we watched whose kids are now playing yeah is this that that is an inevitable death will come for us all we are all deteriorating sacks of meat uh enjoy arby's and enjoy washington state football um i don't man now that i think about it i don't think i learned where pullman was until i might have been like a freshman in college I, 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 it was, it wasn't that I wasn't aware there was a school and like, I, I knew that I had to stay up late to watch it. I, I'd seen them play and like, you no, know, I recognize the logo and everything, but I, I, I think I would have just assumed everything in Washington was Seattle until I met people from Idaho. Like actually, no. What was it was like that? And, and and because you so, didn't yeah. like get the consistent like uh, in, in info about a lot of these things, you 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 weren't kind of thinking about like you know where it was. You just thought like, oh, this Pullman place. It seems like awesome. A bunch of people are in the stands. They're going crazy for, uh, you know, going to the Rose Bowl, and uh, you, you see them out there in red uh, on January first. You're like, oh, that, that, that might be pretty interesting. And then you kind of learn that uh, the place itself is is a little bit smaller than, than you would might might think. <laughs> still still interesting. A lot of wonderful things to say about Pullman. Don't. Don't get don't get me wrong, but yeah, not maybe not what we had necessarily anticipated. You know, you, you want to know what's really depressing? One way, honest to God, that I think I learned about some of these things was from playing yep. the NCAA oh, yeah. video game. Oh, yeah. like, right, like NCAA two thousand. I don't know, shoot like six or whatever. And you can tell because they didn't totally render all of the stadiums, but you knew, is this an urban campus? Is this forest campus? Is this suburb campus? Right. And and you can kind of tell what it, what it was supposed to be. And that's how you kind of knew like, okay, Georgia tech is in 
Atlanta, Atlanta, and this school is in Boonies, Georgia. And like, it, I, I mean, it, it is kind of wild to think about it there. Cause I mean, we're not that old, but I grew up, I, I didn't get, we didn't get cable until I was a sophomore. We didn't get high speed internet until I was a senior. And, and your ability to just have infinite information about everything was substantially diminished. And you would, you would, you would, you really would learn about things from PlayStation two um, or from late night. I mean, how, how many, how many fight songs did you, did you just end up knowing kind of by the back of your hand because of what, you know, and be the NCAA video game. Like, I mean, that is, that is a, a truly depressing thought. <laughs> like it's circulating in my brain. Like, do I remember things I learned in, in my undergraduate education? Do I remember my uncle nieces and nephews birthdays? And then in my brain, it's just like the monkey from the Simpsons with the symbols. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Or, Cause that's, that's, those are the things that, that don't leave. We ha I have become uniquely brain poisoned. Thank you, Electronic Arts <laughs> and the Collegiate Licensing Company for breaking. Yeah, my brain. I mean, just a, I, I mean, the exposure. Like I always think, think going back, you know, like I, I, I learned, you know, places in Texas by like the high school success of, of their football teams, which is sure. uh, a very Texas thing to do. Uh, you know, oh, you went, oh, you're from so and so. Oh, I, I, did you play? Were you on uh, the East team or the West? Like that, that's how I understood yeah. uh, geography in the in the state of Texas based on their football teams, and I, I feel like the same in, in college at just based on that NCAA video game. It's like, I, I understand all the Mac schools, right? You know, it's like, okay. I, and I know divisional structures now because of uh, that old NCAA game. And it's not just, uh, not just those, uh, those fight songs or uh, the stadiums, but uh, it's a bit of everything out there as well. Let me just close on that with this because I am. And now that we're getting a little bit closer to the release date, and people, I, I, I've I've seen my work aggregated, Evan like reaggregated. You're a TikTok star now. Twitter, hey, yeah. excuse me, <clears throat> I'm a reputable oh, yes, source. Sir. No, no. So I think I, I think I'm going to write something probably next week. That's just like here's a central place of literally everything that I know. If you are listening to this podcast, let me just reiterate with this: there is literally nothing so minute so inside baseball that touches this video game project that fans would not care about. If you are an AD and you're like, hey, you know what I would really love now that the season's over and everyone's kind of on vacation and I would love 18 hours of uniformly positive news about my program, call me up and tell me about the rendering of your stadium logo or, or of your stadium or, or putting your, putting the, the, the players logos in there. Talk to me about what this means for, for your coaches, anything about like that tiny process. And I, I've sent these text messages all the time. Um, people will eat it up. There is nothing that I can write, even conference realignment stories. That is as uh, people want to read more that do not work in this industry, than anything about this video game. So, um, if people do not leak me some more things and, and I don't hear anything back from publishers or anything else, I'll probably do that. And maybe not this week, but early next week. So we can all be in one standardized place because I know that it wasn't just us that were socialized and, 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 you know, brought into the sport. Uh, through that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a bit of Madden fatigue. So like, everybody's like, oh, let's, let's go hang on to every little morsel that we can get out of the NCAA video game. Cause the, the demand is, is going to be off the charts. Yeah. Not only is, is like the 
ecosystem of, of ability to play this this game going to be larger than, than it was when it went away. But like the, the amount of college football fans that want to have that next generation yep. kind of grow up on on this game and, and get interested in, um, you know, seeing NCAA football, like I, I think it's as, as good as, as any. And uh, it's coming back at a good time, too. Um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be unique. I, I wonder if there's going to be an NIL manager in the game or something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, it, it's going to be uh, certainly well received by pretty much every fan base out there. That's for sure. I, I, at, at least for the first six months, right? Like I, I know that, that, that the internet has a very conflicted relationship with Madden. And part of that I've learned is just cause like video game fans should just complain, man. I, it, almost nobody is happy in video game world. That's just how gamers be sometimes. But, but also, you know, it's the, I wouldn't say that Madden 19 and Madden 22 are enormously different products. And sometimes the AI has, I mean, yeah. And you know, the ultimate team is a big part of the system. And like, I understand why people don't like EA. I, I get it. I have EA games and I have opinions about EA games too, that are probably similar to yours, but they just want to play the game, man. Um, and then, yeah, this is the time of year too. And like, you've been people who are in the sports games have been playing their old sports game for 10 months and they're ready to not play that sports game or, or, ch- or change something else. Right. Like I, I, I think I finally stopped playing NBA 2k and probably won't pick it up again until, the next game comes out when I say I'm not playing it this year. I'm tired. I know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm turning, I'm turning the page, and then it comes out, and I want to, I want to play it. But, um, I, I think we can get you out of there on that. We, 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 we have a couple other things that we're, we're digging into. Um, uh, for extra points, I have a story that you, you might have, uh, you might have missed that where I, I interviewed uh, some of the folks that are trying to start a college football players association. That is, a, it's not a union, but we talked about what that actually looks like and what it may be able to do, what it may not be able to do. I'm talking to the folks that are running an NIL collective for Bradley, which is not Ohio State or Boston College or Texas or Alabama or anything, and, and what that world looks like at that level. Um, I, I hope to be able to share some more papers um, as people get back to me. And um, I, people, I'll, I'll also say this because this is the, the other thing that people keep texting me about. I do not have any new information right now about what Incarnate Word is going to do vis-a-vis the Southland or the WAC, nor do I have any new information about what Howard will do vis-a-vis the Colonial Athletic Conference. There should be resolutions on both of those stories happening in the next two weeks. I don't anticipate other realignment news happening because people are on vacation. People are, are prepping for their mid-major conference meetings, which haven't completely happened. This, this should be slow. I promise all of you, as soon as I hear something, or get somebody calls you back or somebody else breaks the story. I promise I will share it all with you. I am not hiding this to sell subscriptions. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see when all that happens. You can find all of that at extrapointsmb.com. Um, did I forget to plug in? No, just, uh, I think I did, if you I? have a, a podcast platform that uh, allows you to rate, review and subscribe, uh, make sure you're not only subscribed to, uh, this year podcast and, and going for two, but also give us five stars. Cause that, that really does help others kind of find uh, this, this podcast. And I think really gives, uh, some additional insight into college athletics that they're probably not getting anywhere else. That's, that's right, folks. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple podcasts help spread the word um if, if, if you don't have any money but you still like extra points you still like the podcast just tell about tell your friends about it throw it on reddit throw it in your message board throw it in your colleagues group chat tell your boss or your dean or your ad or somebody buy a bunch of subscriptions um or share it that helps keep all of this going in the meantime thanks for listening everybody thanks for watching we'll catch up with you in a couple of days see you on the internet